So it's my main objective as we grow, whether it's a financial partner or whether it's bringing on high-level people to the team, maybe one and the same, that we can keep our culture together through all of that. It's no easy task. It's not lost to me. That's going to be very difficult at scale, but I'm up for it. And if I'm not, I'll be happy to bring in somebody else that can do it. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Good morning, Matt. Rick, good morning, sir. So you're adjusting your microphone, as am I. I think my seat's riding a little bit low today. I think you got my seat. I'm like really high. Yeah. You're taller. How tall are you? 6'3"? Yeah. 6'4"? Six 6'3". Six yeah. I'm like 6'1", six 6'2". Six so. You're shrinking at that age. <laughs> my discs are <laughs> losing their spacing. I'm about 5'11". Once was 6'4". When are you going to get a jazzy? Um, soon, actually. <laughs> Pretty soon. I thought you called it a rascal. Ah, it's called like, a jazzy. I don't know. I rascal might be one. something else. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm at Walmart and I'm like, you know, I'd like to sit down right now yeah. and drive this thing around. Right. So I'll get one. Well, Chamberlain was telling me she's, she's almost about ready because she's pregnant that she's going to start driving one around. Jeez. <laughs> According to Chamberlain, she's the only one that's ever been pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> she needs a jazzy. <laughs> Hardest thing somebody will ever do. <laughs> oh, goodness. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. You, do you have a did you know, Matt? I do. Did you know? First, the Mona Lisa, you know, doesn't have eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> but did you know why that is? Uh, No. It's actually because of cleaning it over time, they actually came off. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh. she did have eyebrows at one time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh. I thought maybe there's like a thing, maybe like, you know, how different stages in history, like royalty did certain things. Like if you were like, you know, overweight, it meant you had means. So like you see a lot of like super fat royal She's folks. actually an alien. Is she? No, I don't know. Right. Is, is Mona Lisa like royalty? Uh, no, I'm just saying like, there's this weird, but maybe it was a tradition that she, you know, that back then if a sign of beauty was to shave your eyebrows. I don't know. <laughs> Rock on. What you got? Yeah. Okay. So mine is less uh, interesting, but did you know um, during the Revolutionary War that George Washington stopped the war to return a lost dog to the enemy? Did you know that? So wow. He was, he was a dog lover. Yeah. So imagine this. So uh, the a terrier of a British general. Um, was found wandering on the battlefield and literally they wave the flag and Washington calls a, a peace truce, you know, a temporary truce. And then uh, both sides stop shooting so he can return to the dog, to the British side, and then they just go back at it. Is that where they got like Mel Gibson stealing the uh, Great Danes and the Patriot? It could be. I remember that. That was a good <laughs> yeah, movie, by the way. Yeah, movie. that was a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. It could be. It's a different war back then, you know. Yeah. It's okay to bring the dog back because you can't shoot anybody unless you're all lined up staring uh, at each right? other. Right. That's something. So it's okay. Like, I know. It was weird. Like, you just stand It's the other there, general. Like, it's fine. Just bring the imagine just, like, march out there and take a knee and, like, just wait for them to fire first and, like, hopefully you're not one of the guys that gets hit and yeah. you should fire and then you go to the back of the line. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Skip, don't get hit by a cannonball. Yeah. It's great. Well, I think, um, you know, we learned a lot during that time from, like, Native Americans because they didn't fight that way. It was like, all right, we're going to use, like, movement and ambush and cover and high ground and all the things, right? And it was seen as, like, a less than honorable way to fight. But, like, psh, nowadays, I'm like, please, dude. I'm coming out of the trees, <laughs> yeah, booby you're, traps you're dirty. everywhere. <laughs> dirty. I'm fighting dirty. It's <laughs> the only way to do it. So um, what we are going to talk about today is um, – where we're headed in the future, and it might sound kind of like a you know, lofty topic, but we get this question a lot from from uh, candidates. So I think maybe if we created a piece of content that we could distribute to them, 
And if you're with Alloy already, maybe it would be some good insight as to like where we're headed and we're growing quickly and kind of what our long range plans are. Yeah. Of course, those could change, but I think as our, our lens on where we're going and how we're going to get there and what's important to us, uh, I think is going to stay the same. And obviously, you know, there'll be forks in the road and it might not look exactly like we describe it today, but it's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, mm-hmm. so long term goals for Alloy are to have 800 locations awarded by 2030 in the lower 48 right mm-hmm. so just continental us yep. um there you know we've got some very advanced mapping software as you know and our, our runway is actually like closer to 950 ish maybe more like 920 now and keep in mind this is with very liberal search areas right and so like as as you know and people that are listening might not know if you have a large search area, we try to be liberal with the area so that you can find real estate, right? Now, once you choose a location, we drop a pin in the map, we'll give you a 30,000 person radius. Keep in mind a healthy model is 130 to 150 you know, clients. So 30,000 of a target rich environment is plenty to have the business sure. survive for a long period of time because our churn's not that high. So that, that really helps. Well, that being said, the search, some of the search areas are so liberal that after those pins are dropped in the map, there's going to be sort of a B real estate play long term mm-hmm. where existing franchisees can probably backfill in some of their original search areas and get more and or other franchisees will be able to go into those search areas. And as long as we're not stepping on toes, which we don't allow, right, meaning we keep yep. protected radius, there might be more runway than that. So we think 800 is certainly doable. It's lofty, but doable. And keep in mind, that's just the lower 48. doesn't include Hawaii and Alaska, which I'm sure we'll go to. It does not include any international projects, which, we, as you know, we've talked about. We already have some of those cooking because we have great yep. international relationships. So those will be other things that we'll build in. But, mm-hmm. yeah, man, you know, running and gunning. So I think when people are buying into a franchise, it's a 10-year agreement. And they're thinking, like, where are you headed with this thing? And I think there's reasons why they ask that question, which we're going to get to. Um, but I think, you know, there's some there's been some negative press around fitness franchising lately you know there's a big franchise out that came from australia that's been here for a while and they really i mean they went public and then they really have fallen on hard times you know they're, they're getting offers now i think their highest valuation stock value was like what, two and a half billion or something mm-hmm. now they're down to getting offers like between two and three hundred million which isn't chump change but it's sure. nothing like two and a half billion yeah and at danger of being pulled off the stock market for you know such a low stock value and, and taken back private right, mm-hmm. by other enterprises. So maybe they reformulate and come back. But again, when you look at the reasons why there was an internal funding arm of that company and they were essentially trying to sell so fast that they were selling to, for lack of better terms, maybe less like unqualified individuals. And so when things happened with their internal funding mechanism, it, they just lost the ability to develop these locations. Yep. Right. And so that really put a hurting on like how many more, you know, locations people could open because if you're not qualified to get traditional funding, you know, you're kind of dead in the water, right? When you lose your internal funding. So Mm -hmm. probably speaks to the fact that like you probably should just sell to highly qualified individuals. Um, And now there's a class action lawsuit from franchisees against the franchisor and just all kinds of stuff's going on. I mean, it's, it's a hard business, but like those things, I can't decide if those help us or hurt us at times because it's like, oh, great. More people interested in fitness. There's less fitness out there now, you know, gobbling up those eyeballs, but also I don't want it to taint the idea of a fitness franchise, right? So it's sure. kind of, it's kind of like two sides to that coin. Well, there's there's it's more than just fitness franchise and probably franchising in general, right? But that's why mm-hmm. we always what you're talking about is like we want to grow with integrity. Hundred so percent, like eight hundred, but find the right partners, put them in the rights, give them all the chance to be successful. hundred percent. And I don't, I really don't want to do it any other way. Right. I mean, look, you can talk about legacy. I get it. There's not like really long, long-term legacy. It's not like my, 
great grandkids are going to be running this and your daughters are working here. I mean, maybe, but like at the same time, it's just about doing the right thing by the people that are, you're making these promises to, right. I would feel really bad um, for what we've seen in, in some other situations where you just sell, 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 sell. And you just leave a wake of like ruined franchises. Yeah, I don't know how people do that, man. That's awful. I don't know how That's you can do feeling. it. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't understand it at all. Yeah. I, I don't. So. Anyway, there's there's that, and that's a company that a lot of people have heard of, and I don't want to name names because I don't want to throw shade. So, and there's another company that's a, like an overreaching company that has many brands under its banner, and they do gobble up a good w- bit of bandwidth in the fitness space, certainly in the consultant networks that we're in, um, and they've had some negative press lately that really affected. They went public as well about mm-hmm. the same time F45 did, and they've really seen their stock value you know, affected by that too. And some of the claims were just like, again, who knows if they're true or not. You know, it was done by a company that does the short sells, you know, it's a short selling sort of, you know, stock mechanism. That's their play. And so of course it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're the, if you're the source for bad information and by the way, you're shorting a stock, like it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? Are you driving the own, you know, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. driving what, right? <laughs> Tail wagging the dog kind of idea. So but that being said, it was a pretty damning report that came out. It was a lot of chatter about it at the last franchise mm-hmm. um, conference that we were at. And so could be good, you know, for us. Also could taint us either way. But I think, you know, looking at those things, I could understand maybe why candidate would be concerned. Maybe not just fitness, but franchising overall. So I just wanted to address some of the common questions that we get. Sure. Because in, in what I do as a CEO call, it's like a gatekeeping call to coming to um, confirmation day, which is like the last step of the sales process. And a lot of people want to know. They know we're growing fast, and so they usually have questions about what that means, right? So first question I usually get is, can we support them? Mm-hmm. Like, what is our plan to support franchisees? And my answer is always this. Like, we don't have to be fully staffed way ahead of this as long as we stay ahead of it in a, in a on a good cadence, right? Yep. So right now, we are 140-ish sold with a couple more coming through next week and then a discovery day that's got several more potentials in it this month. We are um, 22 open, and we're on pace to have 50 open by year's end, right? That would put us at a little over 100 open by the end of 2024, right? So it's like, okay, cool. So we're moving along. And all I tell people is like, listen, we've got a lot of bandwidth from vendors, like the Repum team. That's our defects sales team, right? But along the way, like we've got a ramp built. And in that ramp, we've got triggers that will tell us when to fill positions, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, okay. Matt's the VP of all you know studio operations. He's got a pre-sale team under him. He's going to have franchise business coaches under him. Right now, he only has as many as he needs. But as we go along, there's going to be triggers when you need to hire more. Good news is that the position is well defined. We just need to find the right, sure. know, yeah, find the right person, and the person gets on the bus, and then we know the seat that they're supposed to be in, right? Well, so yeah. it's not rocket science. Yeah, I mean, you actually have it planned out. I bet there's lots of actual companies that don't even have a plan. They're like, we well, need somebody. Oh, yeah, let's get somebody. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like we have these triggers along the way. It's like, okay. hey, we need to start looking at another right. franchise or we need to look at this position or right. we need more support for this or whatever those things are. So all I say is that, like, listen, there are functions in the business, jobs to be done, so to speak. We have a ramp framework set up to support franchisees. Mm-hmm. So can we support people, you know, getting to that number? The answer is, of course, it's just going to be a lot more people, right? So, yes, first of all, we can definitely support you. We can currently support you with our staff perfectly. And then as we grow, we have triggers to hire more staff. So mm-hmm. I think that's all people want to hear. Like, what's your plan to support us if you're going to grow quickly? Yep. Right? Got it. And I would have the same question. The next question that we often get is, will we sell at some point? Um, and the, the answer is always, I don't know, right? It, it's hard to say because by the time you're able to sell, 
you're in a good financial position such that you don't have to sell, right? Because it's just like any other business. You're going to get a multiple of EBITDA, right, yep. in a business. And so once you reach a certain threshold of EBITDA um, and you've got fast growth in front of that, you get a pretty high multiple of that. But what does that mean? You know, are you selling fully, like all of the shares? Are you selling partial? And or if you do, is it a majority? Like are you going to keep control, right? The people you sell to, are they going to bring franchise and operational um, experience to the table? Mm-hmm. Or are they just bringing money? That's mm-hmm. a different animal, right? And those are all things that we have to weigh out as we get closer. So I will tell you this. When we talked about stats, you know, before. Yep. Um, and it's a, it's a rare few. I think it's only 15% of all franchises ever get more than 50 units open ever in their history. And there's around 3,800 and that kind of stays steady yep. um, at any given time. Some drop off, new mm-hmm. ones come on board, right, into the franchise world of all different kinds of franchises. So only 15% ever get 50 open. We'll be there by year's end, right? Now, by the end of 2024, we would have 100 open. Only 2% ever get 100 locations open. So, you know, we often laugh at those stats because like, you know, it's, we're working hard and it's, you know, someone asked me the other day, like, man, the franchise is growing really fast. Like, how does it feel? I'm like, you know what? It feels fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean it bad, but you know, to, to give you guys some insight, like Matt and I were laughing about before, like Matt's like, yeah, I was up for like three hours one night. And I was like, all right, if I can craft this one message and get this to these certain owners. And I mean, it's just a lot, you know, it's a, right. it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. but I mean, to get in the top 2% of a very sophisticated business, what do you expect? Right. So the question is then, would we sell? And I think at some point, the only reason that we would sell right now anything, and we won't do it right now, and I'll talk about kind of what our, our idea is, um, would be for operational support. Yeah. Like, like we need, um, you know, if we needed bandwidth operationally, which means money to hire more people quicker, we would do it. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at um, LE Mental Health as an example, right? Now that's a brand that's under the same sales banner that we are. I know their founder, good guy. They actually sold 51%. So controlling stake before they even had their first location open. Wow. Now they have like 17 corporate stores. So they had good AUVs and, and enough like proof of concept, right? And they're in this wide open green space. There's at the time like no mental health franchises at all. And mental health is hot coming out of like COVID. It's like a popular thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to address it, which is great. And so they sold like 400 and something locations without even opening one because sales were so brisk, right? So at the time they sold, I laughed. They didn't have any franchises open yet. They only had two employees. Wow. <laughs> and they got a really high valuation. I won't talk about it here just for the sake of you know keeping it private for those guys. But they sold 51%. And within like four and a half to five months, they now have 100 employees because they opened like 150 locations last year. Imagine keeping that culture. Well, exactly. Right. <laughs> so like, I think that parlays into the next part of this is like, will we sell? We will definitely at some point take on a round of operational capital and hopefully with a partner that I'm um, not hopefully definitely with a partner that understands where we're going long-term that can work alongside us, keep our culture together. You know, like, again, you think about like going public, you're beholden to shareholders, you're making really short-term quarterly decisions. Uh-huh. I don't want to be that guy. Right. Same can happen in private equity comes in, they buy you, they right. change your culture. They, they want to, they want to build this thing like crazy and flip it in four years, right. To make their money back, yep. to make their investment. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation. And so it's something that I've leaned heavily into. I've got plenty of friends that are in this space that can help me yeah. right? that I do downloads with periodically, but, um, it would be really good if we could make it to a hundred locations open without any round of funding. That's just a goal. I mean, hell yeah, that would be awesome. I think something that 
is really cool and we don't really talk about it is the fact that you've never taken any funding ever in 31 years of all the business ventures you've done. I know. And I don't know that I'm sure there's people hearing this. They're like, what a dumbass!" because that like leveraging debt to grow a business is not bad policy at all. Right. Sure. I mean, there's plays for it, but it is, like, yeah. it's different. First, like what you said, 51% of your company, you know, right. Gone. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, like if you need it, get it right. It's like, it makes sense. But I think as we grow, you know, we would like to get to hundred open, which would be the end of 2024. I was listening to a really great podcast with an investor and he basically said, it is so rare to have a franchise that's got really brisk sales who gets a hundred locations open with healthy franchisees, right? That are making the money they want and everyone's happy. He's like, that is a literal unicorn. So, you know, of course, when he says that, I'm like, we could be that. I mean, we could, you know, it's just a lot of work. Got to sell them. Got to get them open. Got to get them successful, right? All the things. But I would love to be in that status. I would sure. love to be sitting in the seat where we were completely clean. There's no friends and family around. We didn't start out with VC money where there's expectations from the, that group. Mm -hmm. It's just Suzanne as a minority partner and me as majority partner. That's it. And you guys that are originally here. It's like, all right, well, that's, that's who we are. And if we get to 100 and franchises are making good money. Again, and our growth is well ahead of that because 100 open probably means like 250 or more sold, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, we're a literal unicorn, right? And we're going to bring a really high valuation. So I think at that point, we will reevaluate. At that point, we would be royalty sufficient, which meaning all the royalties would cover all of our expenses. So it, we would be, you know, at least a break even, if not making decent money at that time. Um, probably way better than that, actually, at 100. Um, but We'll be in a rare air. We really will. Mm -hmm. And so we'll reevaluate then. And I would like to say that we would do a minority round, right? So that we can maintain control and then uh, throw some fuel on the fire operationally and keep going. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that I'm committed to do, because a lot of people also ask, like, just parlay this right into the next question. So can we support you? Yes. Will we sell at some point? Probably. But I hope that gives an idea of what. And then people always say, because, you know, it's like me and I beat the drum and I'm passionate and everything. And they're like, what happens if you're not there? Like, what are you doing at that time? And I don't have any aspirations to not work. I mean, you know me. I love what we do. It's like, I can't imagine not working. I do not want to retire. I would be crazy. <laughs> you're laughing already. You know, <laughs> We're right? going to throw you out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Matt says, I'm going to get a rascal or a jazzy. So it's like, maybe I'll get a custom made jazzy to drive around the office. <laughs> I don't know what kind of weird uh, like title they'll give me to let me stay, but it'd probably be like chief branding officer or something stupid like that. You know, like Marky Mark has for a 45. <laughs> That's right. They'll do something like that for me. But um I hope to keep working and I would like to, my number one objective is something that you mentioned earlier. It's really important to me. Like I'm not leaving for the foreseeable future because I love what we do. If we did take on a round of operational capital, it would be simply to put fuel on the fire. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be to like cash out and go to the beach. Cause that's not in my DNA anyway. Cause I love what I do. Right. So really like my main job, cause people ask, what do you main focus? Like, what are you most worried about? Um, or what keeps you up at night is a question that I get asked. I think it's a good question, but a lot of people have asked me that like, Hey Rick, what keeps you up at night? And these are from candidates, right? And I'm like, you know what keeps me up is that as we grow quickly that I run out of runway personally, you know, for my skill set to be able to keep the culture together. That's the only thing it gives me. And, and I, I hope that people here, because of, I'm paranoid about it, I'm working really hard to make sure it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not blind to it. Like, Oh, we'll be fine. Just hire whoever. It's like, no, you've said this before. I mean, it's a precarious thing to go out and hire. Like, you know, a PE firm comes in, they give you some money and they're like, we got a perfect guy and they want to place their CFO in there or COO. They got this big company experience. It doesn't mean it's good, right? Yeah. Like we got here because we're who we are. So 
keeping that intact while scaling and hiring really talented people, mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy. But that's my main objective. So VSA, what's my main role here at, the, at these stages is to bring on the right people and to keep the culture intact while we scale really quickly. And that includes if we bring on an investment group into the mix, they need to also fit our culture, right? Yeah. And that means like what's best for franchisees is honestly what I'm thinking. Like what our franchise partners approve of these folks. And, you know, it's not like I'm dumb and I don't, I mean, I've made plenty of money. So it's, you know, again, it's not going to materially change my life, but it is how you keep score as an adult. So it's kind of fun to get that high valuation, but I don't want to do any of it if I can't keep the culture together, have fun while we're doing it and not burn franchisees in the process. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way we treat our, we have our Z's treat their customers, right? Them in mind. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about it often and say it's somewhat, sometimes a similar customer avatar, right? For our, for our franchisee age bracket wise, socioeconomic income, all that is the same as like the consumer of an alloy personal training facility. And I think we understand the psychology of that customer really well. And so I think we know what to do to make them happy and keep them happy. And if I can't do it that way, I really just don't want to do it. It just doesn't, it's not in line with who we are. You wouldn't want to be part of that company. None of nobody on our team would. So it's my main objective as we grow, whether it's a, a financial partner or whether it's again, bringing on high level people to the team, maybe one in the same that they really, that we can keep our culture together through all of that, which yeah. is, it's no easy task. It's not lost on me. That's going to no. be very difficult at scale, but I'm up for it. And if I'm not, I'll be happy to bring in somebody else that can do it. Right. Cause that's the next question is like, Rick, what if you get hit by a bus? I'm like, well, You'd be surprised to know I'm the dumbest guy on the team that like, I'm like, I don't really do that much. Like when I'm at the office, everyone asks me to leave so they can get their work done. Right. So it's like the real things being done are by this dude sitting next to me or a real estate team or like all the people in our company are doing the actual work. They're making the donuts. I'm just out here talking about them. So if I got hit by a bus, pretty sure a beat would go on. And like, there's been enough, like a guy like you, you move up eventually into like a C-suite position. You know, the culture you've been here, what, 15 years. You would you pick it out right away. It would be zero trouble for you to step into my shoes, look at those new can like these partnerships or whatever, and be like, "This is not our group," or "Yeah, these are," or "This is a good fit," right? So if I do get hit by a bus, and I do like to do like skydiving and motorcycle racing and stuff, so like it's possible, <laughs> <laughs> I might be more at risk than others. But we have key man insurance, so like we can afford to replace me if we need to, with whether it be Matt or whoever, right, moves into that position. So anyway, I hope that helps you guys. We do get a lot of questions about where you headed. And the, and the big concerns, can you support me? Will you ever sell? What does that really mean? And then like, what if you get hit by a bus? What happens? And I, and I hope that answers those questions. Is there anything that I left out that you can think of? No, that's great. It covers it. Does it? I mean, I don't think you and I have ever had this discussion. So no, I, probably I'm, part and parcel, but I've, not I've like this like in yeah, its no. entirety, right? Yeah, no, I think this is great. I think this will help a lot of people. Cool. All right. Well, good. And good job on your did you know. You're really, you're doing well with that. I want you to know <laughs> that your small contribution to the podcast, as small as it may be, it's still important. And I see you, Matt. Oh, I see yeah. you. Thank you. Right. Peace. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the Alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people. <laughs>